Hello everyone, it's Monday the 7th of December and welcome to episode 98 of the Meet the Farmers podcast. Christmas is on its way, as is our special end of 2020 big farming quiz of the year. (laughs) Watch this space. Um, And I just want to thank you all for listening um, to and supporting the show throughout this year. Um, It has been a crazy year um, for so many reasons, um, but honestly, it's just been it's been brilliant to um, have you along on the podcast route um, with me. So thanks for carrying on listening. Um, Right. Let's dive straight into this week's feature. This evening, I am speaking to a non-farmer, but someone who, in my mind, is one of the most creative, hardworking and well-connected people I know working in the rural sector. Jane Craigie heads up the team at Jane Craigie Marketing, a marketing, media and communications business based in Scotland and focused on the rural sector and food and farming businesses. She is a chartered marketeer with over 25 years experience in marketing within the agri-food sector. She's a member of the executive board of the International Federation of Agricultural Journalists and the Council of the British Guild of Agricultural Journalists and a former chair of that as well. She's a board member for Lantra, a professional agriculturalist with the Institute of Agricultural Management and a member of Ringlink Scotland. Uh, She's also a director and co-founder of the Rural Youth Project, which we have talked about uh, on several occasions on the show in the past, but I'm looking forward to going into more detail on it with Jane tonight. Jane, thanks so much for coming on the show. Honestly, this is such a pleasure having you here. I've been looking forward to this evening for quite a while now. Oh, thank you, Ben. I just love, I love your podcast. You, you and Will during lockdown, Will Evans during <laughs> lockdown have just been such a tonic. Uh, out, <laughs> out, on, out on a bike, out on a pony or running around the lanes. You're my go-to. It's <laughs> uh, very kind of you to say. I mean, I mean let, let's actually maybe start with that. Um, from, a, from a personal point of view and a professional point of view as well, how has COVID and the various lockdowns been for you? Well, it's been... It, it kind of feels like it's been going on forever, doesn't it? I'm a real optimist and I think um, I, I look at the good that's coming out of it and the good that I hope will come out of it. So for me, the upsides have been that I think actually we've been communicating more. It's been a very good time for communicators. Um, and I think there's been a lot of humanity about COVID. You know, we've connected yeah. with people that we may not have connected with normally. I think um, sectors like food and farming and and also healthcare that that really should be in the limelight really have been in the limelight. Mm. So for me, all of those things and learning and listening um, about, you know, the consequences of COVID has been absolutely fascinating. I'm I'm really inquisitive person. So that has been, you know, just uh, the brain fuel has been incredible from a, a business point of view it's been tumultuous um we have gained more than we have lost um and i i think that's probably down to just being present you know being present for people offering to help out if somebody needed some help like david hill when he set up his online ag show yeah, i thought that was amazing absolutely that was a real amazing. highlight of the year actually yeah it was it was so we've been there for people um, it's been really tough on the team. I've got a young team um, and we, we're a fun business. And so, you know, time together is really important. 
um, and and young people in particular, you know, I think they've they've really felt. Well, I know they have really felt the pain of of being isolated at home. So yeah, a tumultuous time, but I think um, generally good. Let's talk about where you are. Um, so you're based in Aberdeenshire. Um, tell listeners about the area um, because certainly from a farming perspective, it's pretty diverse. Yeah, it is, Ben. It's a very diverse. It's a very beautiful area and it's a very diverse area so we we run from we've got a lot of coastline in Aberdeenshire um, so we're a seafood county as well as a, an agrarian county yeah very, um, re- very relevant at the moment for the next few yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um, so we yeah uh, fishing farming a lot of iconic food and drink uh, producers in this area distilleries um, beef is our big um, red meat um, sector but in terms of farming arable spring a lot of spring cropping veg potatoes and then we have some soft fruits so it's a, a really good part of the world for growing soft fruit a lot of la- yeah a lot of sheep and and beef the the two sectors that really don't show very much in this region are pigs and dairy dairy has just been decimated yeah um, yeah but but yeah, so a very, very diverse region for farming. Uh, you had quite a unique childhood, um, spent a lot of time abroad, uh, including time in, in India, in Cyprus, in Turkey. Um, tell me about your life growing up. Well, I think I was incredibly lucky. Um, <laughs> I, uh, my, my, dad was a, my dad was a spy. He worked yeah. at GCHQ. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how many people know this. <laughs> I don't know a few, I think, but not many. Yeah, Dad was a spy, um, so that was intriguing in itself. Um, and I suppose we were brought up in a in an expat, so from world. I was born in Cyprus, um, and um, and then we we moved to India, where my sister Emma Craigie was born, and uh, then we moved on to Turkey after that. So they were very different countries. And whilst we were part of the expat community, my dad's a, a real non-conformist and, and an adventurous guy. He still is. He's 82 and he's still really adventurous. And he would take us off on holidays to all sorts of places. Um, so we went up the Khyber Pass to Afghanistan on one holiday. Gallipoli was a regular haunt to go, to go on holiday. Um, and, and so we, dad very much, and mum, but very much immersed us in the culture of those countries. Okay. which was which was such a we were so lucky to to have that experience yeah yeah i mean we'll we'll get onto your interest in farming and ag and the rural sector in a bit but first of all i'm i'm interested in where your fascination with people comes from that's a really good question i think i have to say that comes from my dad my dad he um He's one of these people that will go into a room and I, I share this passion and whether it's nature or nurture, who knows, but, but dad will go into a room and if, if, um, if he'll talk to anybody um, and if there's somebody on their own, my dad will go and speak to them because, you know, they're on their own and, you know, and he, they, he doesn't like people to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But he also, he's really inquisitive. He wants to know why they're standing on their own. What's their yep. story? Um, and, and that's really infectious when you, when you're brought up around that, you become very similar. I'm really interested in culture. You know, what makes people do the things that they do? Um, you know, why do they behave in that way? And I think when you're brought up overseas, you you learn that there's this layer of culture that pervades, um, 
everything that somebody does, you know, how they behave and, and, and it, it, that equips you really well for life, doesn't it? Hmm. Um, I mean, you wrote uh, a piece for the Scottish farmer um, in January this year um, titled A Letter to My Younger Self. Um, and in that letter, uh, you write of being, and I'm quoting here, a young woman full of insecurities and uncertainties about your place in the world. Um, and you also write, and I quote, please shake that feeling that you need to conform. Your career will depend on you having the skill to think and do differently, to challenge the status quo. Let's delve into that. Um, what kind of teenager were you? Um, I was shy um, and I felt, uh, I suppose to give it a little bit of context, it was just after we came back from Turkey. I, I was just turning into a, a teenager and um, so I'd been living this pretty free uh, bilingual existence, living yeah. and playing with Turkish kids and overlooking the Bosphorus and going to an international school. So there was, you know, such a wide existence coming back to Somerset to, to a school. Um, and I just didn't fit in. I felt like I didn't fit in. And, yeah. and that made me really insecure um, because all that I had known, I didn't know anymore. And, and also I was behind in terms of schooling, um, you know, rich in life, but behind in schooling. Mm. And that made me feel really insecure. And if, you know, we all must feel, you know, you get to our, our age um, and stage in life and you wish you had the confidence and the foresight that you have as an adult mm. when you're that age, because actually all of those things that made me feel like I didn't fit in were the things that have made me what I am now and, yeah. and fuel my passions and my interests. Yeah. Let's turn to that interest in farming and ag, um, because uh, you ended up actually working on some farms as well. Um, where, where, where does that come from? And where did that come from? And how did it start? Really good question. I mean, it, 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 came, from, it came from people, inspiring people. So we were, when um, my dad and my mum both remarried, um, and my, uh, my stepmom, um, Elaine worked for a, for a guy who had hunters as okay. in horses and yeah. um in somerset and uh, they had a, a beef sheep and arable farm right and i used to start going down you know as, as young girls do sort of 15 16 starting to help with horses i'd never mm -hmm. ridden before in my life and i just loved i, I loved the landscape I, I think they had such a diverse farm as well i was really interested in how that all interrelated and the guy that Elaine worked for was um, was really into tree planting and um, planting hedges at a time back in uh, back in the 80s yeah. when late 80s when people weren't doing that yeah so I just loved the way that he treated his land um, and how everything integrated with one another and I was just I've always been interested in science um, and I just had this sort of scientific you know, interest, I suppose, why does this happen? You know, why are you doing that? Why do they, why is that sheep lame? Yeah. Um, and it really started from there. And, and, and I, sp I suppose something that's been a real part of my life throughout my life. And I, th it's something that I try and give to others as well is people that give you time to teach you when you're interested is one of the most important gifts. And I was so lucky that, that people, around me at that time were prepared to give me time and teach me how to lamb a ewe or to yeah. pair a foot or to you know to do or to ride a horse yeah. um and and it was really just that 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 i suppose the community 
learning about agriculture and suddenly it became the thing that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I mean, before you started your own firm and we're, we're jumping ahead here, um, Mm -hmm. but you worked in uh, a number of, a number of companies, a number of organizations, um, including uh, Genus and and DBT Limited, which is now part of ProAgrica. What did you learn from that time and and those experiences and, 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 and what, what were you thinking going in, into those organizations? Yeah, I mean, I um, I started, I did a degree in ag at Seelhane, um yeah. and came out of there not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I went into the milk round interviews that, that all colleges seem to yeah. run. Um, and I met a guy, a consultant called Mike Wilson, who worked for uh, Genus. And um, he, we were talking and he said, you know, ha- have you thought about a career in marketing? And I I'd kind of thought about communications, but hadn't really given it much, much thought. And that was, that was the beginning of, um, of the, uh, you know, my interest Think, God, I can combine my two passions. Um, I actually did an A-level in communications. All um, right. Okay. And um, environmental science was another A-level and yep. biology. Um, yep. So I was kind of, you know, that interest, those interests had been running through my life. And and when I thought, God, I can combine these two interests, communications and agriculture. Um, and I, my first role was with um, diversity lever as a sort of in technical communications, supporting the sales team. Yep. But then I, then I started working for Genus and, and I thought that was an amazing organization. It combined um, all of the things that I have used through my career. So, you know, animal production, um, supporting farmers with good advice really caring about the businesses that you advise um and i worked for a great marketer a guy called stephen dan who really believed in in training people so i learned the the comms profession from the ground up i learned everything you know writing press releases buying advertising um, desktop publishing the whole lot so i feel like i had a really good grounding from the opportunity that genus gave me Um, and then dbt so pro agrica the, the thing that i learned there that was just incredible was was the way that different people could work together so real techies that were focused on building websites and yeah. data yeah with somebody like me who's a real creative yep. and but actually the compliment was was incredible and and what you could unlock in one another mm-hmm. was was amazing and and that's where i learned the power of technology and data you know, and that's kind of, it was really in its infancy. That was, that was back yeah. in the nineties. And, um, and that, that kind of, that stayed with me through my career, just the power of that. And then you started Jane Craigie marketing in 2004. Um, I mean, it, I think I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with, with anyone who, who starts, starts anything actually in many ways of, of any scale. Um, but obviously everything has to start somewhere. So why did you start it? Um, what was what was your vision for it and who your clients in those early days the reason i started it was because um was a lifestyle one um so my husband and i decided that we didn't want to live on the south coast of england anymore and we wanted to move to scotland and my dad um and my stepmom were living up here um and so that kind of gave us a an in my family are from this area originally anyway yeah so we knew the area and one day mike said well my husband um, he said, why don't we move to Scotland? And I said, well, we can't. <laughs> we know this is where our life is. Um, and actually, the more we thought about it, we thought, well, actually, there's no reason why we couldn't. 
Um, so we made the leap, we moved up here, and that was kind of the catalyst for starting it um, from a practical point of view. But the other thing that I really believed in, you know, I'd worked agency side and I'd worked um, client side from a, from, a, you know, from a communication point of view. And, and one of the things, there was a couple of things that, that I still think are really important. Um, I, I felt that some agencies could be really greedy. You know, it's about the money. It's, you know, and somebody would come in who, who was very senior to do the pitch and then would put a junior on the account. Yep. Um, and, and I didn't like that. I found that really uncomfortable. It's, it's not about the money. It's about... Um, it's about building long-term relationships and helping one another. So those are my foundations. Yeah. Really. And, that, and that is still super clear with, with your entire client base today. That's, that's what you're about in many ways. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it matters, doesn't it? You know, it matters. You've got to make a difference. You can't just get up in the morning and think oh, I'm going to make money out of doing this. You, you you've got to, well, I feel, you know, how, can, how am I helping somebody? Yeah. Um, in their careers, but also, you know, in their pain. So, so during COVID, it's been really painful for some people. Um, and you've got to be there for people. Um, so those are my basic, you know, my, my values, I think, you know, it's not yeah. about the money, it's about helping people. Let's talk about uh, PR in the industry generally. Um, because I mean, for you, what is PR um, in a rural context? And, and is there anything that makes rural PR different from PR in an urban context? I, I don't think, um, I mean, I think the stories are different in a rural yeah. context. Um, and I think the stories are what makes um, good rural PR, you know, people's stories and the story of land and food yeah. and, you know, how it's managed. So I think the difference is that we have an amazing um, palette, if you call it you know, a palette of, of, um, of stories, um, or a, a shelf of stories and, um, iconic images. So I think we're, we're so lucky in a rural context and that's in its widest sense, the rural economy, whether it's a food business, a, um, a forestry business, a, a farming business, we just have such a rich tapestry to, to weave into stories. So we're lucky. Um, I think the principles are no different. Uh, the principles about you know who you're trying to talk to uh, what's what's your brand what is your story articulating it um, thinking about it thinking about um, what elements you want to, to talk about um, and also um, being robust in your thinking you know if you if you engage in your own PR you know what is it you want to say and 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 do you know do you know your stuff yeah. um, so I think the principles and then, you know, the channels that you use, um, that's, you know, that's, that's a basic, basic principle of PR. Um, I think that the nice thing is, as time has gone on in the last decade, the channels open to us, the costs of doing your own PR have reduced markedly. Hmm. It's just about being smart and knowing how to tell your story. Um, I listened to a, a podcast you did uh, earlier this year with Scotland's Farm Advisory Service. Um, and in that, you talk of positive PR. Um, what is that? And, and should all rural businesses be thinking about, about that? I, I'm a great believer in, in being on the front foot. You know, you're, there's so much that you can, you can do um, there's so much opinion that you can change if you're positive about what you do. You know, so often in, in agriculture, 
and it's a legacy thing. I think uh, we become defensive uh, about, you know, we, we think that, um, that, that consumers um, can be against us. You know, there's so many issues, the glyphosate issue, um, you know, that we've killed all the bees, that we're polluting watercourses. And so it's really easy to go into a situation um, feeling negative um, and, and not, not putting your best foot forward. But to come out on a positive, and one of my heroes is Adam Henson. I was at college with him and I love him as a friend. How oh, you? I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah, so I've got many stories I could tell you, but, <laughs> oh. but he would shoot me. Um, but, you know, the, he's, he's got a great way of coming out on the front foot, of thinking about how he's going to tell the story of, he, he calls, uh, Lamming Live, he called it a biological gynecological feast. Yeah. And he is really good at communicating it warts and all. And I think it's a really, he, he's a really good ambassador for positive PR mm-hmm. for farming and for rural businesses. We shouldn't be defensive. We should be proud of what we do as an industry. Um, but, and, and, and the first thing that, that comes to the fore there is, is just getting our stories straight. Let's, uh, let's change the subject and talk about the Rural Youth Project. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, we've mentioned it on the show before, but uh, looking forward to going into detail. What, what is it for listeners who, who haven't by chance um, heard of it? And, and again, why did you start it? Um, the Rural Youth Project was a, was a night. I can remember sitting with my colleague, Rebecca Dawes, who um, was my first employee. And she's just an amazing young woman. Anyway, I was sitting with her at um, T-Bay. We were driving to or from an event. I think it was from the serials event, actually, coming back. Okay. And we were sat there and I said, I've got an idea. Um, And it was really based on um, the lack of information out there about young people in rural places. Um, And so my idea was we should do some survey work to try and understand what it is young people feel, um, what they need, um, and and really where they were in, in their optimism and pet, you know how optimistic or pessimistic were they about their future and so that's really where it started but what it has evolved into is much much bigger so I think the timing of it two and a half years ago to ask those questions um, to a really really long survey that asked people about housing and connectivity and skills and income um, we had about just under a thousand responses and it, and it was um, from people all over, young people all over the world and it was a, the right time to ask them and um, from it what we wanted to do is to build um, the uh, confidence of young people their leadership skills their activism skills and their enterprise skills because our our belief and and I think it is well founded that that if if young people feel that they can make a life in a rural place and they have the the skills um, with which to build their own business, to feel like they can play their part in, in a community, then they'll stay. Yeah. And, and if you keep young people in rural areas or if they decide to live in, in rural areas with them, it, it attracts investment and, and the services remain, the schools stay open. So they are absolutely the lifeblood of rural places. And that's yeah. kind of why, why we started it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've, you've mentioned that. Well, you've, you've insinuated that it is sort of evolving. Um, what are your ambitions for it at the moment? 
Well, we, I mean, it's growing arms and legs. So, um, so as a result of the project, um, I'm, I'm now involved with a rural innovation project with, within OECD. Um, and, so, and that's a reflection of how important rural, rural youth is internationally as well as here in, in a UK context. So we are getting involved with a lot of organizations on an international basis. We're talking about running, um, so one of the key, key strands of our activities has been ideas festivals. Um, so really getting young people together for four days in a field, in a marquee, to share inspiring stories. Um, to build up their confidence and then throw them out into the world to to basically um, get motoring. I'd still love to come along and see how one of those sessions. You're just you're just so far away. <laughs> uh, oh no, come come. Well, we might have some in. Um, we're talking to a couple of organisations in Australia, one in the US. So um, I think the the model is is hugely replicable. Fantastic. So, so so yeah. So we're doing. We're planning to do lots more ideas festivals, leadership training. Um, we've been running ideas cafes during lockdown um, and we're currently um, doing a lot with the Scottish government um, to, to look at how we how young young people can be part of repopulation of rural Scotland rather than the depopulation of rural Scotland. Amazing. So the farming sector is is clearly I think yeah from from everything we're saying and, and everything you've seen it is becoming better um, at its own um, PR and and this has been um, and I suppose working with journalists that's something you mentioned earlier on as well um, and Anna Jones's just farmers program is um, is a great example of this but do you sense that some farmers maybe still have a slight distrust of journalists or, or is that now a thing of the past? I think they do Ben I think it's fair to say that they do I think going back to that defensiveness that I mentioned earlier it's completely understandable um and and i think i think farmers are right to be uh concerned if they go into um an interview with a journalist Own, if if only that it makes if if they do go into an interview with a journalist um that they think about what they want to say um it, it's it, you know it's still possible for the rhetoric about farming or oh, they're paid too much subsidy and they're killing bees it's still too um, I, I think too too often you see that creeping into some lazy journalism um, mm. from 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 a journalist perspective, and it's very easy for a farmer to to get into you know which is a no win argument and and trip themselves up. So I think you know my advice to farmers if they are going to go into a, um, an interview situation is know the journalist, talk to them first. Um, trust them you know build trust with them so don't go into an interview and unless you you trust and you, them and you are prepared yeah um but but equally you know i i don't think they should have that fear because those journalists that that are following the old rhetoric of farmers are paid too much subsidy or whatever the, the old guard might have thrown at farmers i think those days are gone there are some brilliant journalists out there who who are genuinely interested what has social media done for rural businesses that they didn't have before yeah it's a really good question because i think social media is just so powerful you know back at the beginning we were talking about impacts of covid and and social media has grown as a result of of covid you know channels like tiktok which we were barely using 
have now really come to the fore and um, there's been some real stars that have been created on TikTok. Yeah. Who, who knew that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, I mean, the, the thing that I love about social media is that it's, it's free and you can put your opinion out there. Um, and if you're good at it and you create good, compelling content, um, it can be hugely powerful. You know, there are businesses, particularly diversified farm businesses that maybe have holiday accommodation or farm shops. The, the bulk of their marketing is done on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at, oh, the only cost is a little bit of time, you know, and that's, that's hugely powerful. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That, isn't it? Yeah, no, so, I mean, let's, let's talk about Instagram because I know that you're a particular fan of it. Um, how would you recommend a farmer um, who's looking to promote their business starts with Instagram? So, I think before you start, think about um, just create a plan, just, you know, on a piece of paper. So what do I want to promote? Um, so it's my farmhouse B&B or it's my farm shop. What are the things that I'm really good at? So I, we do great breakfasts that it's all stuff from the farm and, and we, we source from within two miles, everything else comes from within two miles. So what's your story? I'm so sold. Think, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that's the compelling stuff, isn't it? So exactly. think, and, and so far, so often you see people and they just think they get into social media and you think, Oh, where are you going with that? And it's, it's just not, not, not curated enough um mm -hmm. I, I don't like the word but it is really important to, to know what your story is have a plan um and then just get started and and instagram is brilliant because you can tell a story and and you can you use it really well as well and you great images i mean you use fabulous pictures of people oh thank you because i mean I, yeah i was going to say i mean i mean personally i i was actually having this conversation with will um last week um and we, we were both saying we are terrible when it comes to instagram there's so much more that we that we both could do um but it's uh what, what i struggle with with social is especially if you find a platform that that that's working for you and then you go for it go for it go for it and then something else happens in your life and then you go off it. And then it's, it's how you, how you build that regularity of momentum, <laughs> which I find difficult. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like you though, Ben, I, I don't, you know, I don't practice what, what I preach enough because I'm <laughs> yeah. too busy. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think Instagram is just, you know, going back to that, that rich tapestry, you were asking about rural PR earlier mm. on, you know, that rich tapestry of stories that every farm has, you know, that sense of place, the history of that farm, that land, that oak tree, that stream, that, you know yeah. where you had your first kiss and where yeah. you know yeah just so rich isn't it and yeah. if you could bottle that into instagram which is what jr from strictly he does so well he really he does just, he's genius yeah. at it mm. yeah and with these mobile you know with with the uh, the smartphones we have now um i've just bought myself a, an iphone 11 because i'm too tight to buy a 12 <laughs> Um, but the reason I bought it is is for the camera. The camera is amazing on it. Okay, that is because I'm I'm considering going back to iPhone, um, and I, I need a new phone, so I might take you up on that. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's easily done. I think just invest in a good iPhone or a good phone, a good smartphone, and yeah. and just um, you know, and and appreciate what's around you. Think about what's around you and appreciate what's around and and share it. Yeah.
Um, I'm going to ask you a question uh, that Will often asks on rock and roll farming. Um, mm. Sorry, Will, I'm stealing it just for the time being. Uh, but if someone who's not involved in agriculture asked you to recommend them a farming account to follow on Twitter or Instagram, um, what would it be and why? Uh, I love Hilltop Farm Girl. Um, Lee um, and Neil Heseltine, um, yeah. they farm up in Malham in, in North Yorkshire. Um, and I just, or Yorkshire Dale, sorry. Um, they, I just love what they do. They tell the story of their place, their livestock, their beliefs in how they farm. They've got a bunkhouse, so they tell the story about their bunkhouse and it's, com- it's so compelling you want to go and stay there. Mm. Um, and I just love the way they tell the story of themselves and the place that they live and the land that they work, the heritage of it. So yeah, that would be one of my, my go-tos, I think. Okay. We're almost done, uh, but we always finish the podcast with the same two questions, um, which I'm going to ask you now. First is, if you had a message for the public, any message, what would it be and why? I think COVID has started us on this journey. Um, I think my message to the public would be, be really inquisitive about your food. You know, who produced it? How did they produce it? Why did they produce it? To learn about the people behind your food and if it doesn't look like food real food don't buy it uh, finally a message for farmers yeah i think for farmers farming has become cool and and during you know the same point about the yeah. public the public are interested in food yeah so don't be defensive you know get out there and the most important thing you have to sell and to tell is your own story and why you do what you do And I suppose the other thing I would say to all farmers out there, don't defend the indefensible. You know, there are some farmers out there that aren't practicing things as we all think that they should. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying call it out on social media because I think that's, that could be really damaging for the industry, but call it out in person. You know, we can't, we've got to let the, we, we, we must deal with the indefensible. Um, because it will damage our reputation going forward yeah well jane it's been a pleasure um we'll have to leave it there because um otherwise i'm gonna (laughs) way too much editing to do but honestly i would i would love to continue this conversation for another hour but we can't but thank you so much for coming on it's been such a pleasure oh well thank you so much for asking me ben it's been absolutely lovely to see you and talk to you Jane Craigie, who I spoke to last week. Next time, I'll be speaking to Leicestershire arable and beef farmer Joe Stanley. So I hope you can join me then. But until then, have a great week ahead.